1: Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com.
0: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all
2: feel like you're winning.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb,
4: and I'm Julie Douglas.
1: Julie, we often think about ourselves as uh, as a whole, and we've uh, we've discussed that before in the past. And sort of the fallacy of that, we think of ourselves as this one body, this one autonomous thing. But uh, of course, we are also a, a host of uh, smaller creatures living inside us. Mm-hmm. You can say you can also go as far to say that our, our cellular communities are nothing more than than just that communities of individuals that make up this whole. And uh, in this episode of Stuff That Will Your Mind, we're gonna uh, throw another log onto that fire that, that illuminates the, uh, the, the the multiple aspects of who we are.
4: That's right. It is the chimera, which uh, is this idea that uh, comes from Greek mythology. We're talking about a fire-breathing creature that was part serpent, part lion, and part goat. And in many ways, when we talk about being host and, and having some sort of microbiome in us that's perhaps mm-hmm. gaming the way that we work physically and mentally, we are this kind of part lion, part goat chimera.
1: Yeah, according to Homer, uh, it uh, just had the uh, the body of the gigantic goat, the hind parts of a serpent, the head of a lion. Other depictions you see it as having a head of all three. Really, it's kind of a train wreck of a monster. It's not, it's not, not the most elegant. Uh, it was said to be the progeny of two other monsters, Um Echidne, uh, the beautiful woman up top, serpent down below, and Typhon, which is a nebulous, gigantic form composed of hundreds of dragon's heads and serpent arms and legs, breathed fire and lava, and it was created by Gaia after the defeat of the Titans to assail the forces of the gods. And in the Chimera, had all these monstrous siblings, including Cerebus, the Nemean Lion, the Hydra, and the Sphinx. It was eventually slain by Bellerophon, astride the Pegasus, and in medieval art, it comes to symbolize the complex nature of evil.
4: Okay, and we, we wanted to bring up the chimera yeah. in both its mythological form and, and in the form of animals because we're going to get to it, but there's some really cool things going on on a cellular level that sort of brings into question who we are. We always bring this up, like, am I really me? Am I parts yeah. of me? Um, what is me? What's the am center Am I a brain? Me? Am
1: I a body? I'm a, am I a brain body? Am I the me that I think I am, or am I the me that exists under the, the surface of uh, conscious thought?
4: Well, or am I the me that is really accumulation of actually other people and other people's cells? How could that be? Yes. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but first, let's talk about some naturally occurring chimeras. Uh, we're talking about slime mold. And corals; mm-hmm. These are far less ominous than the fire-breathing kind, right? Yeah. And um, chimera can also refer to an animal that has uh, two or more different sets of genetically distinct cells working together. So we have a couple of man-made examples. One is a pig that uh, researchers at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota had created, a pig with human blood pumping through its veins. And some of the cells merged together, creating pig-human cell hybrid cells here. So what we're talking about is this idea that um, you could have an experiment that could give scientists a better understanding of how viral infections can pass from one animal to humans like HIV. Yeah. It's not just like, hey, let's cross a pig's blood with a human's blood and have yeah. some fun here.
1: Yeah, well, it kind of sounds like it's a way to yeah, to, to create a, a ready source of human blood. And then you just march the pigs in when it's time for a transfusion.
4: Well, that would work, too.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of monstrous on all Fronts. But, I mean, but again, we, we, we get into this idea that uh, we're dealing with this initial idea that a chimera is a monster, that any kind of form that involves bits of others is a hybrid and mm-hmm. it's weird and it's gross and probably against God's natural order. But as we're discussing uh, here, uh, hybrids do occur within the, the the natural limits of life, and uh, in a sense, we are all chimeras.
4: That's right, microchimeras, which we'll talk about in a yeah. moment. But I wanted to bring up this uh, particularly uh, pure form of chimera in in, in the form of humans. Mm-hmm. And uh, this became known because in 1997, an, a woman named Jane found out that she needed a kidney transplant. Oh, this is an amazing story. All right. So she has her son. She has three sons. And uh, they give some blood samples to see if she would be a good match to be a kidney donor. Right. Well, what comes back is that okay, um what you know, Miss Jane or whatever your full name is because that's never actually told obviously for her privacy, but what comes back is that Miss Jane, uh, we want to tell you that you could not possibly be the biological mother of these two of your three sons. Yeah. Which to her is sort of like, what are you talking about? Yeah,
1: because that, that either means, oh, I'm not who I think I am, or the children were swapped out in the hospital. You can just imagine the various scenarios that would roll around in your head and, and wrestle with each other when the doctor's telling you that.
4: Yeah, and she's saying, no, I'm the biological mother these children. Trust me, I had them. They came out of my uterus. I have this memory of it. And they keep saying, well are you sure? you know maybe they were switched at birth and, and it took the researchers two years to figure this out. Um, but Margot Cressfall, she was a do- or she is a doctor at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston figured out that Jane is a chimera, a mixture of two individuals. And what we're talking about are non-identical twin sisters who fused in the womb and grew into a single body. Yes, she Dwight shrewded her twin.
1: Well, it, but it, it's it's almost crazier than that. It's like it's not it's like she be those two people became one. Yes, you know? it's like it's like the fly, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> in, in a telepod with a fly, and they merge into one being on the other end. Essentially, a chimera. And here we have in the the telepod of the womb, these two individuals merge together and become a single organism, a single individual.
4: Yeah, so I mean, she is, she's technically a tetragametic chimera. And that is a person whose body is made up from two genetically distinct lines of cells derived from a total of four gametes, eggs, and sperm. So the cells from only one twin have come to dominate in Jane's blood. So the tissue used in the tissue typing in the test for her kidney, that's what we're talking about here, in her other tissues, including her ovaries, cells of both types, of uh, lived alongside each other, and that accounts for the genetics of her three sons. Because one came from an egg derived from the twin whose cells dominate Jane's blood, mm-hmm. while the two brother, the other two brothers, came from eggs derived from the other twin cells.
1: Wow! So it's so even though one of the twins ended up being dominant in the individual, the other twin managed to have children. Like that's just yes. crazy. like almost, it, it's almost like a ghostly sense, almost like from beyond the grave.
4: Well, that's what's so amazing about this—this yeah. this idea that you, you could carry with you someone else's cells, and that yeah, there's just this, this ghostly-like sort of association that that would be informing also your children, your yeah. children's genetics. Uh, so that that is an extreme case of this.
1: Imagine yeah, you know, you're your siblings, and you both have the same mother, but you have two different biological mothers but those two biological mothers are the same mother it wow it's really confusing it's a bit of a head trip yeah
4: but now um, IVF uh, in vitro fertilization increases the odds of having fraternal twins about 30 fold and is also associated with an increased risk of chimera so it mm-hmm. may not be I mean they don't have a ton of research on, um, on this so far but it may not just be so crazy going forward since IVF is been a pretty good option out there for a couple of decades now.
1: Yeah, pretty good option.
4: Yeah. But this is an extreme example of cells dominating your body. But it turns out that all of us have cells from someone else hanging out, which seems like an incredible statement, but it is true.
1: And in this, we're getting into the, the realm of microchimerism.
4: Yeah. So this is when you possess a small number of cells in your body that are not genetically your own. And this was first noticed in 1979 when a researcher at Stanford University found a few cells with Y sex chromosomes in a pregnant woman's blood. And those cells had to have come from her son, uh, since women have only X chromosomes.
1: Right, she had male chromosomes in her body even though she's a pregnant female
4: right so that was the first inkling that something was going on Um, so it turns out that all pregnant women carry some these are called fetal cells by the way and DNA up to 6% of the free floating DNA in the mother's blood plasma comes from the fetus and after the baby is born, those numbers plummet, but some cells remain. And they actually just don't hang out there. They, they do things in the body, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah,
1: there's a wonderful quote in uh, this uh, New Scientist article by Nancy Shute, uh, Beyond Birth, and it goes as follows. She says, Mother and child are engaged in a silent chemical conversation throughout pregnancy with bits of genetic material and cells passing not only from mother to child, but also from child to mother.
4: That's right. And that two-way street is the placenta, right? Um, the placenta is an organ. It's built of cells from both the mother and the fetus. Mm-hmm. And it serves, just as, as a reminder for everybody, as a conduit for the exchange of nutrients, gases, and waste. And so it's porous. And so you do have the cells um, from from mother and child passing between each other. That's one of the ways that you can pass cells to each other. Kind of
1: a cellular backwash.
4: I like yeah. that. Yeah, cellular backwash. Um, after cells cross over, some get rounded up and killed by the new host immune system. Yeah. But some of them take root in the body. They burrow into the heart, liver, kidney, spleen, skin pancreas gallbladder intestines among other places
1: they're kind of like squatters really like they are. Like clearly are not supposed to be there police round up the ones they can but as communities <laughs> begin to take root in certain uh, you know abandoned buildings and, uh, and back alleys
4: yeah and some of them become really productive members of that body society yes and, and this will discuss do not. some do not um, now the fetal cells can also be passed through uh, mother to infant through nursing Mm-hmm. And also through transfusions and transplants, Uh, we're talking about bone marrow transplants and organ transplants. And that sort of brings up into question, you know, well, how do these cells figure into someone who's not even related to the person who, you know, the organ was transplanted in? Mm -hmm. And we cannot answer these questions right now. In fact, this discovery of microchimerism actually brings up a lot more questions than answers, but it's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about how those fetal cells hang out in your body and what they do.
1: Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples.
0: Rob, as the, uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray. To treat your allergies, what was your experience like?
1: Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product, and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast-acting; it was already kicking in before I left the house.
0: AstaPro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest twenty-four hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in thirty minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours.
4: All right, we're back.
1: Microchimerism.
4: It's pretty nutty. It is, it, it is. Yeah, in fact, last year it was found that male DNA uh, was discovered in the female brain, and this led everybody to understand that fetal cells are able to cross the blood-brain barrier. Hmm. Now, this is that, that sort of membrane in, that keeps out sort of the bad things that make sure that you don't get toxic chemicals that are traveling to your brain and and messing up the works in there. Um, But this fetal cell being able to cross a blood-brain barrier was found when researchers at the Department of Biochemistry at the University of Alberta exa- examined brain autopsy specimens from 59 women. They had died between the ages of 32 and 101. Now, male microchimerism, as it's called in this case, was detected in 63% of the subjects and was distributed in multiple brain regions and was potentially persistent throughout the human lifespans of the 63% of the subjects. Um, The oldest female in whom male fetal DNA was detected in the brain was 94 years old. Wow. Now this is kind of a huge thing because uh they had known that had, you know, migrated to different parts of the body, but they did not know what it was doing in the brain and if it even acted on the brain. And that is still a big question mark. Uh, but they have looked at Alzheimer's disease because they know that it's more common in women who have had multiple pregnancies hmm. and they thought that they would find that the number of fetal cells would be a lot greater in women with Alzheimer's compared to those who had no evidence for any sort of neurological disorders or disease. But this is the weird thing that the, the opposite was true of what they thought was going to happen. There were fewer fetal derived cells in women with Alzheimer's. So they're still trying to figure out what sort of connection that might have. And, you know, long term, there might be some sort of information about how those, how those cells act on the brain. And, you know, you have to also consider that in animal studies that microchimeric cells were found in maternal brains where they became nerve cells. They became active members of that brain society, huh. uh, suggesting that they might have a functionality integrated.
1: Now, of course, in all this, you have to avoid the temptation to fall into a, a magical understanding of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When we were researching this, I kept finding people talking about some of these studies on message boards and getting a little sentimental and uh, at times a little goofy about mm-hmm. what it meant. Uh, and, and certainly you see that even with uh, with ideas of organ transplants and limb transplants. I mean, sort of the idea that, uh, you know, go back to the old horror movie with Michael Caine, you get a, a hand transplanted onto your body and it's the hand of a criminal and suddenly you're going to do criminal things because that's the criminal's body part. That's the criminal's hand and now it's part of you. So you have to, again, you have to put that out of your head. Uh, and... There's plenty of weird, almost magical seeming stuff that's going on anyway, uh, without bringing all of that nonsense into the equation.
4: It's true, and you know, at some level, though, it is symbolic, and it's kind of nice to think that you know your mom is always carrying a bit of you around, and you're always carrying around some of your mom. But then,
1: but if but again, it's just it sells. It's not it
4: sells. Yeah. But here's this just a complicated. Not like things. there's a little
1: her in your flesh pocket on your side, and she's looking up at you like telling you to eat your peas. She
4: totally is right now. Well,
1: <laughs> it's a horrible in image. In my Sorry. flesh
4: pocket. Thanks. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mom. Hello. Um, so here's here's something to complicate it. Um, there's a possibility that cells from an older sibling residing in the mother may find their way back across the placenta to a younger sibling.
1: Now, that's where it just gets kind of gross.
4: Like, so here's the weird thing. Like, it's very possible that, uh, that I have not only my mom's cells floating around, but my brother's and my daughter's. Hmm. Which is fine. I mean, obviously, it's all working out. But
1: but. with your daughter, I mean, obviously, there's a stronger connection. But you've discussed before how you and your brother are, are kind of different organisms, right? I mean, you're rather different.
4: Yeah, of course. We're different in yeah. many ways, but it is kind of interesting to me. As the second born, it's always like, man, seriously? You <laughs> always get, like, you know, hand second banana, everything. hand me down hand cells. Hand me down clothes
1: and hand me down cells. Right. Uh. Thanks
4: a lot. Uh, now, twins, of course, identical twins can also exchange microchimeric cells through the shared placenta, so that's, I don't think, anything that's shocking. No, especially um, since
1: we've already established they can merge together into one organism. Yeah. So, you know. I don't put anything past them.
4: Exactly. you got to watch out for the twins. Yeah.
1: Though do it before you're born, if there are any twins out there listening. Don't do it later. It's so much harder. Absorb
4: each other or yeah. cross
1: cells? I'll absorb each other or cross cells. I mean, both are a little more difficult <laughs> and a little more problematic if you do it as adults.
4: That's true. Outside of the womb, that is. There's a bunch of logistics there. Um, so here's some also interesting thing. There's evidence for competition between cells from, from grandmother and infant within the mother. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's where it gets a little dicey, and that's when we start to talk about autoimmune issues.
1: Yeah, because well, yeah, one of the problems with the autoimmune situation is that there's this, the, the theory is that you have essentially alien cells in the body, mm-hmm. and the immune system detects alien cells, they're going to fight against them uh, in the same way that they may, you know, would have destroyed a number of them immediately following uh, uh, the birth of the child. So you get that, the, you know, the problem of an autoimmune defense network attacking the body itself and all of the complications that arise from that.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own.
3: perfect home sweet home.
4: Yeah, I mean, because um, some autoimmune diseases which occur in women three times more than in men mm-hmm. are, are thought to be associated with this problem, right? This sort of, they're not assimilating, right? Um, it's and, like
1: civil war in the body, really.
4: Yeah, they're trying to figure out, like, why are you here? Should you be here? Um, and that's when you see sort of things like multiple, multiple sclerosis being exacerbated by this issue of, of fetal cells. Now, the good news is that um that these fetal cells can kind of act like stem cells depending on where they are. Uh, they can actually help to repair damaged tissue and they're essentially a transplant of younger, healthier cells in depleted organs. So they might help protect, against certain types of cancer. So women with breast cancer, for instance, they, they generally have lower levels of microchimerism than women who don't develop disease and this suggests a possible role for fetal cells in helping to detect and destroy tumors, because if you think about it, uh, those microchimeric cells from a pregnancy, they're recognized by the, the mom's immune system, as belonging to the mother since they're genetically half identical to the mother. So they get a pass. So they're, they're sort of foreign to the immune system, But, you know, because of the father's contribution. But they also, this is the idea, they may prime the immune system to be alert for cells that are similar to the self, but with genetic differences. So the idea is that having the presence of microchimeric cells in the body could kind of ferret out cancer cells and then stem the growth of any tumors. Sort of like, hey, we're on the alert for you, but we're also, you are fine, you get a pass. But these other guys, they're not passing the test. Huh.
1: So, sometimes hand me down uh, stuff is really good stuff. That's the thing. Sometimes you can really make something out of it.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. And uh, Nancy Shute, you had mentioned before in her Beyond Birth article, says that fetal cells also appear to migrate to injury sites and have been found in patients with thyroid and liver damage where they had morphed into organ cells.
1: Wow. So, like, uh, you can, yeah, you can, on a very cellular level, you can get into this idea that my daughter is healing me, my, my, my son is healing my body.
4: Well, and it's interesting that you say that, because there was one account, I can't remember which article, but one of them had said that that there was someone who was going through cancer treatments, and they kept that in mind. My son is helping to heal me through this. His cells are combating the cancer cells. Hmm. And, yes, there's a bit of magical thinking to that, but it's sort of lovely.
1: Yeah, just don't let it spill into, like, full-on cannibalism, because you're going to be like, (laughs) I'm feeling a a little uh, sick here, but I bet if I ate that kid's arm... Then I maybe get a a replenishment. It won't work. Won't work? Messy. Messy,
4: okay. Defects. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, of course, we have to to start thinking about this in a future sense. And and one of the ways that researchers and scientists are um, is to actually look at dogs because it turns out that microchimerism is present in some dogs. And that makes studying the condition a lot easier because you're talking about lifespans 10 to 20 years as opposed to 70, 80 years. Right. So they begin to kind of look at, at what that might mean um, to have these cells acting like stem cells or even acting against the museum. <laughs> acting against museums, acting about against the immune system.
1: And then how does this affect the world of human cloning?
4: Well, it's not as straightforward as we thought, right?
1: Yeah, because it's it's one thing, because again, we, we have this this notion that we get in our heads that, that I am this one product, and if you distill me down, I'm these cells, I'm this DNA, I'm this person. And then if we can just recreate that data, then we can recreate, at least uh, in a bodily sense, uh, we can recreate ourselves. But now you're having to take into account, I mean, we've discussed uh, um, you know, all the, the microbes that live inside us, and now we have to take into account different cellular communities from other uh, individuals that make up who we are. Mm-hmm. How do you replicate that in a cloning scenario?
4: Right, and not to mention the, the microbiota that yeah, exists yeah. within everyone. That is also, again, influencing how we move through the world and what sort of diseases we may or may not get. Uh, also, epigenetics, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's like with with cloning. It's um, it reminds me of the movie The Boys from Brazil, uh, based on the book, uh, where uh, you had a plot to clone Hitler, and it, it the, the plot really has a has some fun with the idea of well, you would have to not only have a genetic uh, duplicate, you would have to then recreate uh, all the circumstances that made that person who they were. And uh, in, in the film sort of operates on the idea that, well, the genetic side is, is simple. The genetic side is just pretty straightforward, but it's that conditioning. That's where the problem lies. But we're seeing more and more that the uh, the genetic side of things, uh, the, the cellular side of things, is, uh, is almost equally complicated if you were actually trying to replicate an individual.
4: Right. So this idea that we're just unique and we're, we're just sort of preset with this uh, program at mm-hmm. birth is fallen way away because now we all realize that we really truly are chimeras.
1: Yeah. And in a sense kind of ephemeral. I mean, well, rather ephemeral.
4: Yeah. All right. I just checked my pocket of flesh and mom says it's time to wrap it up.
1: Okay. All right. Well, uh, well pocket of flesh mom, well, we will call it an episode then. But uh, we'd love to hear from uh, all of you guys and gals out there. What do you think about this information? Um, how does it make you think about your relationships with uh, with your parents, with your children? With uh, strangers, <laughs> you know, your sibling, look, your sibling. Yeah, how does it make you feel that your older, younger brother may be a part of who you are on a cellular level? Does that creep you out, or does it give you hope? I don't know. <laughs> and then how do? You, and then you know, to what extent do you draw then magical? Um, Interpretations of this into your uh, into your worldview. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us in all the normal places. StuffToBlowYourMind That's the mothership. That's where we put all of our stuff. But you can also find us on Facebook. You can find us on Tumblr. We're Stuff To Blow Your Mind on both of those. We are BlowTheMind the Mind on Twitter and on YouTube. We are Mind Stuff Show.
4: And you can always drop us a line at Blow at Discovery
0: No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for?
1: Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com.
3: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my, look
1: at
2: that, he is...